Um, I thank God for emotions. But if God's love was just an emotion in his heart, it would only benefit him. But I thank God that his emotions and what he felt manifested in a physical form so that it could benefit us. And when we look at the love of God, we look at this one thing, that he was willing to give us his being as a gift so that we can experience what it is to be in the image and the likeness of God. That we can know what it is to be above sin. That we can know what it is to be in the great power of God. To be in, in just in absolute love. To when we see somebody else. Not to love because of a commandment. But that there's, there's a passion in our hearts that drives us. Amen. It's so far um, delivered or, or, or separated from a law system. It is a life that is inside you. Amen. Now, um, uh, today I want to speak a little bit about Tithing. You know, for so many years, we've heard message upon message, especially now, in, in this time, uh, on television, you'll get a lot of stuff where it is just about the tithe, you know, and sowing and reaping and all those type of things, because there's a, a financial crisis, and I think it's blown up a bit more by the media than what it really is. Uh, there is a crisis, but people live with fear, because of what they see on television, and and people feel it. And ministries feel that. Because what people give is um, out of what is left over. So they give and now they think there's not going to be left over or there is not left over. So ministries feel that. And uh, now we come with all different types of doctrines and theologies concerning the tithe, concerning sowing and reaping and those type of things that just gets people into bondage. And, um, and I believe that everything in the Bible is about Jesus. It's about Him and how He fulfilled every law that there is so that we can have righteousness as a gift and every way unto any type of thing, be it prosperity, be it health, be it peace, be it joy, was opened up by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And there's nothing separate from the cross. The problem that we have is when it comes to tithing and sowing and reaping, I've seen that, that because Abraham paid a tithe Long before the law, um, people say, but that is supposed to be implemented now because it was before the law. But they read over the very scripture in, um, in those chapters that says, and Abraham was circumcised long before the law. Now, if we interpret scripture, our interpretation of scripture must be consequent. We can't change our interpretation of Scripture. You know, when we interpret Scripture and we want to make a rule of interpretation and we say, if something was before the law, it is under grace, <laughs> then we must take everything that was before the law as under grace. And like I said, then, then we can, then uh, the father um, of a family can become drunk like Noah did and those who, who laugh at him will be punished of God. You know, so, uh, and, and you can have more than one wife, you can, you can do basically whatever you like for there is now no law. The, the thing is that people don't understand is that under the old, b- before the law was given, the Bible says death reigned from Adam to Moses, but sin was not imputed to people because there was no law. Now how can there be no sin if there was no law? Because God said sin could not be imputed because there was no law. So there was actually a law, but it was not written down for man, so it could be imputed unto somebody. 
And now I want to take that and take it into the New Testament when it comes to the tithe and say, well, you see, Abraham um, tithed to Melchizedek and therefore we must now pay a tithe today to the church. If we take the scriptures in the Old Testament just like that and we want to imply it into the New, um, we must twist the thing so much that it's unhealthy. You know, we, uh, um, then we're not consequent in our interpretation of Scripture. Now, I want to go to Colossians first. We're going to just have it a little bit line upon line today. Colossians 2.17 Remember, you can get this message. Um, you can order it. I'm not trying to make money out of you. If you don't want to give anything, it's for free. Amen. So, uh, because I want you to have this word, and I believe that this word... Um, I'm honest, I've never heard this preached th- this way, that I'm going to preach it tonight. I'm not saying I've got this, the only revelation. I'm sure it has been preached like that before, many places and many times. I've, had, I've just not heard it like that. Um, and it will revolutionize the way we think of the tithe, and it will set people completely free. That there will be no condemnation when it comes to finances, because the gospel has been preached in that area. I think in finances, the gospel has not been preached. Man's effort to get God to bless him has been preached. And that doesn't set people free. Amen. Right. Um, what does that Colossians? Colossians chapter 2 verse 17. It says, let's go to verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to an holy day or a new moon or Sabbath days which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. So it says, let nobody judge you in the Old Testament way of types and shadows. Because that type and shadow is not the real thing. You know, if today they had a, a, a thing on, on uh, God Channel where they showed how people used the, um, the Passover and how it would exactly look and the types of food and everything. Now, um, that was just the shadow of the real thing. How can we be judged if we keep that old ceremony? We can't. Because that will just be foolishness to say, well, my salvation lies in how I keep this ceremony. You know, in certain days, observing days and months and weeks and Sabbaths and all those type of things. And by observing that thinking, I'll be blessed. And that if I don't do it, that God will judge me. Um, so it says here, let nobody therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. I just want to touch on two other scriptures there quickly. Um, you don't have to turn there, just Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7. Um, I wrote that down wrongly now. Well, it says in Hebrews... uh, uh, Hebrews 10, sorry. I must first read Hebrews 10 there. Hebrews 10. So, we see there that's a type and a shadow. Hebrews 10 verse 1. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. So, here it says that the law is a shadow and the sacrifices and those things were, were only a shadow 
of the real things to come. And that the, the real things that was to come was Christ Jesus and what He did. And then it says the law, the law, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. Now, if we turn to Hebrews 7, you'll, let's just look at something here that's going um, to bless you. I hope I find this now. It says in verse 5, it says, and verily, verily they that, and, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who received office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. So here it says, and I listen to what I'm trying to say, that new moon, Sabbaths, all those types and things are just types of the real thing. But the substance is of Christ. The law has got no power through the sacrifices and the things that you had to do according to the law to cleanse your conscience or to bless you. And then it says in Hebrews 7 verse 14 that the tithe, the, the Levites had a commandment according to the law to take up tithes of the people. So the law, the tithe is part of the law system. And I thank God that the tithe is part of the law system and that it, even if it was uh, even, even if it was done by Abraham before the written law was given, that's fine. Even the same way animal sacrifices was done way before. Um, it was done just, it was done first in the Garden of Eden by God Himself. When He slaughtered an animal and clothed Adam and Eve with blood and not with fig leaves which speaks of man's efforts. Which says, well, by my effort I'll clothe me. God says, take away how you can clothe you and let me clothe you with my mercy and my grace. By the sacrifice already mindful of Jesus Christ then. And just after that you'll find the sons of Adam, the, the two sons, they came and they sacrificed. Where does the sacrificial thing come from? I mean, those things existed long before it was written down. So the law was given in written format at a certain time. But when we come and we see the types and the shadows, we must interpret Christ into every type and shadow. So we can see that the tithe is part of the law. Otherwise, we must take Hebrews 7 uh, verse 5 and just tear it out of the Bible where the Levites had a commandment to take up tithes of the people according to the law. That's it. You say, but the tithe was not under the law. Then you say, uh, and, and, and your, your, the, your principle of interpretation was, it's before the law was written down. Then you must say, animal sacrifices is not part of the law. And you must say that circumcision is not part of the law. And we must realize uh, one thing for sure. If you go and read Acts chapter 15, there was a major gathering of the people and the leaders of the early church where they decided on doctrine. And in that, they decided that we shall not burden the heathen or the Gentiles with the law. I like the words they use in, in, in Acts 15. It says, we shall not burden them with the law. It's a burden. And basically make it impossible for them through circumcision. It's really what it says. Go and read it. I mean, here comes somebody, they say, listen, you must believe in Jesus and you must be circumcised. Listen, if I must be circumcised and I'm eight days old, no problem. <laughs> but grown up it's a problem what if you 85 and now that is the only way in which you're going to be saved that is a type and a shadow of, of, of parting from the flesh and getting into the spirit which is the message of the gospel of grace 
That's what it all was. Every sacrifice, everything. You know, when you came and, and, and that lamb was brought before the priest, that lamb um, was blameless, speaking of Jesus. Hands was laid upon it, it was killed, speaking of the sacrifice, and the man walked away innocent. So we can't apply that anymore. Because it was just a type and a shadow of the real thing. But somehow, the tithing message slipped through. Without being interpreted as a type and a shadow of Jesus. Okay. That's it. Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy. I read this before, but the other day I saw this. <laughs> I, I spoke at a leaders conference and, um, in Rustenburg. And I went to the pastor, I said to him, you know, I feel I must speak on finances. And he knows what I believe on finances. And I could see in his face, man. (laughs) The pastor preaches grace as well, you know. But every one of us, we learn and apply this in different areas of our lives, you know. And and the same with me. Every day, as you study the scripture, you see more and more of this truth and this reality. And the guy said to me, yo, yeah, yeah. You know, that's <laughs> so the next morning, that was the, the, the say, no, say the, Tuesday, the, the Tuesday, I had to preach the Thursday. So the Thursday, I said, well, I'll do it the morning session. Because in the morning session, it was just pastors and there was the previous morning, there was about 15 people. So I said, let's do it the morning session because we don't want to confuse people. We just want to speak to the leaders. He said to me, yeah, okay. So the next morning, I, I woke up and I said, Lord, don't you want to use somebody else? <laughs> You know, he said to me, I don't have somebody else here to do it. You know this and now you share it with him, please. And I died so that they can know this. So, share it. And I went and there was, I guess, about a hundred people. So, um, share. So, I stood up and I shared. And j- just, I just shared this. And afterwards, the pastor says, man, he repents of that. The old way. You know, and people were set free, grabbing a hold of this gospel. I was so blessed by that. Um, Deuteronomy 14. Are you guys getting a bit cold? Is it perfect? Okay. 14. I've read this before for those of you that are first time visitors or missed out last time. It says in verse 22, it says, You shall surely, truly tithe all the increase of your seed that the field brings forth year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God. Now, it's very important that you see there it says, You shall surely tithe of all the increase of your field. There's nothing that's left out. And everything that increases, a tithe had to be given. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of the corn, of the wine, of the oil, of the firstling of the herd and of the flock that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Now listen to this. You had to tithe in order to learn to fear the Lord your God. Now we're going to explain that. Verse 24. And if the way be too long for you, so that, um, so that you are not able to carry it, or if the place be too far for you, which the Lord your God shall choose to set His name there when the Lord your God has blessed you. So we see here another thing. First God blessed them. After God blessed them, then he said, you'll take a tithe of what you've been blessed with and then you'll take it to the, the, the temple and there you will eat it before the Lord your God. That's what it says. Okay. 
Then shall you turn it in, and if the place is too far, you shall turn it into money and bind the money in your hand. And he shall go unto the place which the Lord your God has chosen. And you shall bestow the money for whatsoever your soul lusts after. I'm reading from the King James. <laughs> okay? Now, it's very important that it says for whatsoever your soul desires or lusts after. So, whatever your soul desire, you'll take that money and spend it for whatsoever your soul desire. Now, listen to this. For oxen, for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever your soul desire. Now, this <laughs> Now, you can imagine those pastors' faces when I read this. I said, there the whole drink thing is also somewhat settled. She says she needs a gin and tonic. Okay. And you shall eat there, listen to this, before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. Now listen to this. He says, you will take a tithe of all the, of the blessing of God. You'll take the tithe. You, you bring the tithe to the storehouse, and there you'll eat it before the Lord your God. Now, I'm not going to read through everything. It also says that there was, there was two types of tithes. The one that you brought to the storehouse, and that happened for two years in a row, and then the third year, that tithe was not taken to the storehouse, but it was for the provision of the priests and the poor and all of those. So, people would come in the harvest time and then they will say, listen, now I've got a tithe. You'll, you'll always find somebody, his third year of this is, is, is now at home and the other guys, it's his first year, he's at the temple. So, there was always, all the time, people that packing the tithe outside in the gates of, of the city, you know, or the village where they lived. And then the priests and the poor and all those people could come and they could eat of it. And then the people themselves could also partake of that. So, that was the one thing. So, um, every third year the tithe was not taken to the storehouse. It was given to the poor. Okay? It, or, let me put it this way, it was opened up for the poor to also partake of it. Okay? The other two years it was just for you. So, what, what did you have to do? You had to bring it to the storehouse and there eat it. If you couldn't, turn it into money Go to the place, and this is a beautiful thing, buy whatever your heart desires, and then eat whatever your heart desires there at the presence, or at the place where God placed His, His blessing, or, or said it should happen at the temple. Now let's go to Malachi 3. You're going to be blessed, I tell you. You're going to shout... Now, let's just read Malachi 3 verse 1. Um, one yeah, just, just one. So you can just see what this book prophetically speaks about. Malachi 3 from verse 1 speaks of the restoration of the priestly order. Jesus cleansing the priesthood. That's what it talks about. So it does not, it's, it's not a command for the people of the Old Testament to start to tithe. It is a prophetic word. It's a prophetic word concerning Christ. It says in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, Malachi 3, 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Now, who's that? John the Baptist. 
Okay? I sent my messenger. Remember, John the Baptist came crying in the wilderness. And he was the messenger that was sent before the, before the time, preparing the way of the Lord, getting people's hearts ready, saying the Messiah is coming now. And then he also announced who it was. And then, okay, let's go on. It says, Whom you, the way before me, before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. But who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For is like a refiner's fire and fuller soap. So what does he say here? He says that when the Lord comes to his temple, there will be actually nobody that's righteous. And he'll have to cleanse everybody. Nobody will be able to stand before him and say, I stand in your righteousness. But he'll have to cleanse everybody. So he said, I'll come to my temple. My, my, my um, messenger will go before me, prepare my way. I will suddenly come. People didn't expect that he would come in such a way. He suddenly came and he cleansed the priesthood. Now you can go and read the rest of it. And what it actually says is, is that um, the sons of Levi, the priesthood, wasn't as it was supposed to be, but he would cleanse the priesthood and bring a new priesthood which can really stand as a sacri- which can do the sacrifices and all those things in a correct way that it's pleasing unto God. So the one that he said that this old way didn't work. He says, you guys couldn't be faithful in the way you're supposed to do it. So I will send my messenger. He will cleanse you. He will come to my house. And he will cleanse the priesthood. And he will be and sacrifice in the correct way that it's pleasing unto God. Just go and read those verses. I'm not going to go through everything there. Now, it says here from verse 7. Let's read verse 6. For I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. So he says, because I don't change, you're not destroyed. So I stick to loving you. Even from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances or laws, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Now listen. You have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, this is the same God that says, I don't need any of your sacrifices. Because the cattle and the thousand hills belongs to me. The silver and the gold belongs unto God. So how can he be concerned about money here? His concern is not money. His concern is not money. And he says here, that the, the, uh, now, now listen, he's talking about the house of God, and at that time, the house of God was the temple. Okay, now listen. He says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now look at the fruit of not bringing the tithe. The fruit of not bringing the tithe was a curse. Okay. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and you shall, um, uh, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So, he says, 
what will happen? If the tithe would come to the storehouse, then God would not be robbed. People would not be under a curse. And they will be able to bear fruit. That's what it says. Now, it says here, bring ye all the tithe to the storehouse. Now, this week I made a lot of effort in studying that scripture. That word ye, um, according to um, Briggs' Hebrew definitions, he says, that word ye is not translated in English. It's not supposed to be translated in English or basically into any language. Because it's got no word meaning. The word ye there, um, it, it should actually read like this. Bring the tithe, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now you can go and read the Bible, t- take your, uh, um, your computer program with your Bible program on that shows all the Hebrew words in the Strongs, and you can go and look at that word. I think it's number 853 or something in the Hebrew. There's many places where it's in the Bible, but never translated. The Bible says, in the beginning, the Lord God, it says the Lord God, and then in brackets, that word, that is translated here as ye, but never translated. Now that word ye, is two Hebrew characters. It's Aleph and Tav. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and Tav is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, translated into Greek as the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. That's it. Listen. So he says here, (laughs) he says here, bring Alpha Omega the tithe to the storehouse. But now what's wonderful is, that word Alpha Omega, I never knew that, but then I went onto a Hebrew site that explains the terminology and, and where that word is used. It always, if you take the next, uh, um, like, like the word tithe, I the English terminology, the word tithe, it, it refers, the Aleph Tav refers to that word. So, what it actually, the correct translation would have been this way. Bring the Alpha and the Omega, which is the tithe, to the storehouse. That there can be meat in my house. (laughs) Man, if that doesn't bless you by now, I don't know. That there can be meat in my house. What do we have to do with the tithe? In the Old Testament. You bring your tithe. What do you do with your tithe? You eat your tithe. And when you eat the tithe, then you can honor God. Now it says here, bring a left tough. Now let me put it this way. We, we can read it a bit, bit differently if you would like, if you say the translation is too far for you. Bring a left tough, or Jesus, or the Alpha and the Omega, all the tithe into the storehouse. And when he brings the tithe, all the tithe to the storehouse, there will be meat in my house. Now let's go to John, chapter 6, verse 53. It's, remember the word meat. Verse 53, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat my flesh and drink my, drink, uh, except you eat my flesh, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up 
at the last day. Listen to this. For my flesh is meat indeed. That is verse 55. 53 and 55. For my flesh is meat indeed. <laughs> Hallelujah! Jesus is the tithe. Jesus is the tithe. What God was saying was, there's a priesthood that cannot bring deliverance. But if the true tithe can come to the storehouse, that there can be meat in my house, then my people will be able to eat the flesh of the Lamb of God and He will be able to, to see, and, and, and man will be able to see fruit in his life. Amen. As, as, as unto one, one seed, Christ. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? The promise was to Abraham and his seed, which is Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? So what happens? He says, the priesthood that there was, the Levitical priesthood, let me put it in other words, the priesthood under which you had to bring your physical money to the church to be blessed. Could not bless people. It could not bring the true, true fruit forth in the lives of people. So let the Alpha and the Omega, which is the tithe, in the context of this, this, this scripture, remember he says, I will quickly come to my temple. Let him come to the temple, that there can be meat, for the people to eat. And you do, you do you know who He is? He is whatsoever your heart desires. <laughs> That's why it says, whatsoever your heart desires. So what did strong drink do? It made you happy. So, <laughs> He is your joy. When you, eat your, when you eat His flesh, He is your joy. He is your righteousness. He is your peace. He's your every provision. He's whatsoever you need when you partake. He is your life. What does the stuff you worked for uh, 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 resemble? It re- resembles your life. Your life. He is your life. And when you partake of His life, you've got the very life of God inside you. Isn't that nice? The world needs to hear this. The world needs to hear this. I know that people don't want to hear this because how are we going to twist people to provide for us? But if, but, but if, if, the world, if the world can hear this, they'll be set free. And they'll start to partake of the body of Christ and then the being of God can bear fruit inside them. Isn't it? Whatsoever your heart desires. If you want to be a giver, Christ's flesh, His life provides that ability to you. He says, I will quickly come to my... Let's read there. <laughs> Listen to verse 1. He says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to His temple. Where did you have to take the tithe? To the temple. So if 
the Aleph Tav can bring the tithe to the temple, there will be meat in the house of God. Now listen to this. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen, I've, I've been tithing in my life. I'm talking about money giving now to the church. And I've, proved, I've tried to prove God by that. Now it worked for some people, and it didn't work for me. I've tried it. And the way it was preached was you bring your money to the church. It wasn't even preached according to the way it was given in the Old Testament. It was like a new law now that was made up by man. You bring the, you bring the, 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 the tithe to the church so that there can be meat in the pastor's house. I don't say it's, it's, it's wrong to give. I mean, if there's not people that give to me, then I'll go and, I will have to go and work and I, and, and I can't spend all the time that I spend in the Word and go around preaching and all that stuff. It's not wrong to give to a preacher. It's not wrong for him to have. But what I say is that Scripture has been twisted to a place where the, what was in the back of the mind of the guy who ministers that was his bills that must be paid. So bring the tithe to the store, talking then about the church. I mean, I tell you, a Jewish guy would get a fit if you take a tithe to the church. It must come to the temple. You can't now go, go and take it to so-and-so's house where they were a church meeting. That was not what it said. And then there you will eat your tithe. When I went to the temple, there the temple, that tithe was mine, I had to eat of it. And even the priest, when he received the tithe, or when he partook of the tithe that was in the village, go and read uh, um, just before Leviticus, um, uh, before Deuteronomy, Exodus somewhere, I think it's 17. He says, he had to take a tithe of what he took there, and also, go to the temple now, with that, and eat that tithe before the Lord is gone. Because Jesus also died for him. So he must also partake. Everything that you, that, that you got, you must realize that Christ was seen in that and that we can see the, that the provision that God provides us with was Jesus. That's what we had to eat. Now it says here, prove me herewith. Now I've proven and I've tried the system and it didn't work. And what I prove, uh, proved was the scripture in um, Hebrews 7 concerning the tithe. Let's, let me show you what, what I proved in my tithing. I hope I can find it now. Verse, verse 10. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. Now it just spoke here about that the, the law, the tithe was under the law. Remember when I said, when I read that thing about in, in verse 5 that they had a law to take up tithes from, their, um, from the people. You know, under the law they had a tithe. Verse 5. And verily they are, they are of the sons of Levi which receive the office of priesthood have a commandment to take up tithes of the people according to the law. This speaks of the Levitical priesthood. The Levites had a commandment to take up tithes. Verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, 
for under it the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to arise, which was Jesus? So I proved, and I've tried it. Go tithing. It didn't work. I proved that there was no perfection in that thing. I wasn't blessed. And I tell you, if you, and then you get different teachings. You know, if you tithe, that tithe now belongs to God. You've just paid your debt. And now the seed you sow on top of that, I've got a nice type in a shadow concerning seed. Jesus was called the seed of God that died and is bearing fruit. And that fruit is the word which is preached unto us. When we believe it, we find that very word bearing fruit in us. So He was the seed that was sown so that we can have life. That's sowing and reaping. That's sowing and reaping. Jesus was sown, we reaping the benefits of what happened to Him through having faith and having by faith access into this grace according to Romans 5. I tell you, I don't know how you argue with this. I tell you, or in great financial need. Now, I want to get to the test me here with. It says here, test me. If you bring the tithe. This was literally speaking about, speaking to Jesus. Jesus, if you come, that there can be meat in the house. Jesus, test me. The Father speaking to Jesus. Test me and see if I cannot pour you out, Jesus, a blessing. Into every man. Isn't that beautiful? So Jesus was poured out. When the Holy Spirit was poured out. So that people can believe. When they believe that word comes into their hearts. And the windows of heaven are opened. Isn't that beautiful? Listen to this. Let there be meat in my house. And prove me herewith, said the Lord of hosts. If... I will not open you the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says to Jesus, Jesus come, bring the meat to the storehouse that my people can eat and see if I cannot pour you out. I can open the heavens. That's what happened with Christ. The veil was torn. The heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was poured out. What did that word say? It says, This is that which was prophesied of old. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And if there is not enough room, (laughs) what it means is the sacrifice is greater than the amount of people that could ever make use of that. Read it again. See the Father speaking to Jesus. Bring Jesus the tithe to the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house, and prove me the Lord God, herewith, says the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. 
and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now listen to this. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Now what is this? The Bible says, we're talking about, remember, types and shadows now. This thing cannot be applied directly to man. We must see the type and the shadow. For it is a type and a shadow and the substance is of Christ. So what is the ground that he talks of here? The Bible says a sower went and he sowed. Onto the road and into shallow soil and to deep soil, onto ground. And that ground, the 30, 60, and 100 fold ground, was those who heard the word and understood it. That's what it says in, in Matthew 13. Those that it fell on the road are those who heard the word and did not understand it. But those who were bearing fruit heard the word and understood it. Okay? And they, that ground was producing fruit. Now what brings, what comes forth in a man where you, you feel you, you're producing fruit and before you see there's no more fruit anymore? It's the law. It says the good that I want to do, I don't do. But he, Jesus, in his fulfillment of this tithe and being the meat that we eat, rebuke the devourer that causes man not to bear fruit. And the law was given so that you could see your sin. And that sin could become exceedingly sinful. So what happens is when we partake of the body of Jesus, the tithe, not by tithing, by believing on Christ. We're going to see it now. I'm going to read it now in John 6. When we believe on Jesus... That thing inside us that makes it we cannot bear fruit is rebuked by God. And who God is can now manifest in our lives by simple faith in what He has done for us. Oh, hallelujah. He says, I will... Now listen to this. I've seen so many times people have got fruit and the more they get under the law, the more they lose their fruit. I've seen that. Even read Romans 7. Then it goes on. It says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall, listen, listen to this, shall your vine cast the fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So you will be able to bear fruit. You know, fruit before it's time. You see the fruit is coming. You feel that thing is, you're going to bear fruit, but when you see again, the thing drops. There's no fruit. The law. Because that is the curse that was upon the land. The fruit is devoured and it costs its fruit before its time. That was the curse. So it says here in verse 9, it says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. How can you rob God with money? No. When you rob God is when you take away the sacrifice of Christ so that people can be saved. That's robbing God. That's robbing God. If God wants to save a person, and I can take away the gospel, and get the gospel away from him, you're robbing God of his plan on how to save that man. That's how you rob God. By teaching this tithing thing, the way it was taught, where people have been robbing God. 
I believe it. My brother, then there's two of us. Three, it's me, you and God. Amen. Robert. You know, this one, one time, this, this friend of mine, his father passed away last year. He says he was in a church, in a, in a um, colored community, in a rechte pungsterkerk. You know, so the guy came up and he wanted to testify on how God provided for him financially. So he said, uh, brother and sister, <laughs> he says, you know, it, I was struggling so much financially, I lost my job. I couldn't even tithe. So the guy from the back shouts, he says, sit down you heaven thief. <laughs> sit you yimmel thief. You're robbing God and you want to teach us. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and so many times people have been walking with that condemnation. You know, we don't even know what the tithe exactly is. And, and listen, if you would bring the tithe to the church and just give it there and throw it away, you wouldn't have been pleasing to God anyway, according to Leviticus. If a guy comes with his brother vein to church, he's tithing, man. He's going to drink it there. And then it says there that he could also give to the Levite. So Dominic him with a dopfat brood because the guy's coming to bring his tithes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. These types and shadows. We can't we became so legalistic that we can't even apply this type and shadow in the New Testament church. We became so legalistic that we couldn't even apply the law system. It's too liberal for us. I'm not saying get drunk. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, there's something much greater than bringing money. God had meant something much greater than just bringing money. This thing that He talked about here was to break the curse. Galatians. I enjoy this. Hallelujah. I'm going to run this on Gracestream TV every day. Galatians chapter 3. Listen to this. And verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a cross or on a tree. Okay. Now it says here, in verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. But if the tithe can come to the storehouse, the curse will be broken. (laughs) Yeah. So Jesus Christ came. He was that perfect tithe. There's meat in the house of God. So that whosoever is hungry can come and eat and never hunger again. 
and be filled with the fruit of God, drink His blood, which is also called the living water in John chapter 4. And this becomes streams of living water gushing forth from our innermost being. And that scripture was used to manipulate people. Instead of setting people free. Getting people to a place where we realize that inside that tithe was all provision. And when I partake of the life of Jesus, it means I partake of His life which is all provision. Put whatever you want into that tithe. He is your everything. That's it. For your enjoyment, for whatever your heart desires. And he will rebuke the the devourer. To me, the devourer of my land, the thing that brought the curse upon me, was, was the thing that says, you know, I try to do good, but I can't do good. And that's what destroys people's lives. What destroys people's lives today is sin. It destroys people's lives. I'm not talking about your relationship with God. Your relationship with God, you're righteous. If you're in Christ, you're righteous forevermore. Forevermore. Nothing can change it as long as what you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you're righteous, my friend. Even if you've got a mistake in your life, you're still righteous. Amen. Amen. But, even if you are righteous, and you've got things in your life, those things still destroy you. So, to me, what, what blesses me about this is, I don't have to be righteous and still struggle all day long. Because those things devour. If you sit with bitterness and hatred and all those type of things, I thank God that when I partake of His flesh, God rebukes that out of my life. I'm not trying to fight sin anymore. I live in freedom. Amen. Hallelujah. For I partook of the life of Jesus. Now how do we partake of the life of Jesus Christ? Let's go back to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Jesus is the tithe. And all the tithes that ever had to be tithed for all of man was tithed (laughs) in one sacrifice so that nobody stands guilty before the tithe law anymore. The world's been set free. All that stands for us now is a table has been set before the whole world. With your, and with your food is there. Whatever your heart desires. And there's an invitation going out all over the world like Bessel said so beautifully. Through the foolishness of preaching. Inviting people to come and partake of this life. Let no man, let me change that scripture a little bit, let no man judge you in meat or in drink or Sabbath or in a tithe. For they are all shadows, but the substance is of Christ. If you partook of Christ, you partook of the tithe. If you partook of Christ, you partook of the first fruit. If you partook of Christ, if you partake of Christ, you, you, you partook of every, the, 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 those leaven fa- type of unleavened bread and all those type of things. He is all of that. So when you, and that's why it says, the Bible says, when we believe in Jesus, we fulfill the whole law. When I believe in Jesus, I've tithed. 
in the correct way. Because he was the tithe. I partake of his fulfillment of the law. When I believe in Jesus, I partake of bringing a perfect sacrifice before the priest. Isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. John 6. It says that when we believe in Him, then we shall have everlasting life. In John 6. It says when we believe in Him, we will have everlasting life. And then it says, when we eat His flesh and drink His blood, we will have everlasting life. So eating and drinking the body of Jesus is believing in what He has done. Okay. 35. Here it is, 35. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Okay? So he that comes to me shall never hunger, he that believes on me shall never thirst. So what, what is eating and drinking? It is believing on the name of Jesus Christ. He said to the woman in John 4, he says, if you drink, I'll give you of the living water. If you drink of this, you will never thirst again. But we, and then it says here, believe shall never thirst. So believing, simply believing this truth, is eating and drinking the body of Jesus. And if you believe this truth, I want to tell you the right, you've got, you've got the right, according to John chapter 1 verse 12, to be called the Son of God. Or the sons of God. You've got that right. For you don't owe your birth to your willpower, but you owe your birth to the resurrected Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I came to another revelation. The reason why the Bible says that God will not remember our sins anymore. Think of it. He's removed it as far as what the east is from the west is this. When you partake of the life of Jesus, the word eternal, where it says, He gives us eternal life. That word eternal in the Greek means without beginning and without end. So when I enter into that life, the life of Christ is there now my life. And it has got no beginning. And it's got no end. That's why you cannot see any sin in me. For my life has got no beginning. And my life has got no end. For His life is in me. When you start to believe that and think that, it's as if you're... 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 You feel, man, this is good. That is how, that's why. Because there is no sin in Jesus. He is my sacrifice. Isn't that beautiful? Let's go down to verse 53. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. In other words, except you believe and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. In other words, whosoever partakes of the tithe that God brought to His temple has eternal life. And I will raise Him up in the last day. My flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. Now listen to this. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood, the one that believes in me, dwells in me and I in him. Remember John 17, he says, I pray, Father, that they will be one with us 
with, with me or with us as we are one. Okay, so the unity that there was between Jesus and the Father is what He prayed for us to have. And how do we have that? It's very easy. It is when we believe on Jesus. He says, then, when you believe on Him, then. He that eateth my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Listen to this. And as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Oh, man, that is beautiful. I live by Him. That's why Paul said, I don't live anymore. It is Christ living in me. For I partook and I ate of His sacrifice, which is the tithe. So how do we prosper financially? Just believe. Just believe. Now what is, what is my... My prosperity and how much I'm blessed got to do with my giving. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What does the manifestation of prosperity have to do with my belief in Jesus? Everything. Everything. I can believe. Now, the, 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 man, I tell you, when I, when I stood there, um, in front of those pastors and the, the one guy stood up and he asked me a question. Rich businessman. And he says, said to me, Now Bertie, does that mean everybody is now going to be very rich? Because by he was rich and he became poor so we through his poverty might be made rich. And God gave me wisdom. He gave me wisdom because you have to answer that thing in the correct way. And I said, what Jesus brought Concerning prosperity, when he was rich and became poor, so that we through his poverty might be made rich, that prosperity, this earth and all its riches, cannot even supply for one person. Because what he gave up is what we gained. And he takes diamonds and uses it as foundation. Just types and shadows now. Just to give you an example of how the riches of heaven works. It's much higher than what we can ever think. It is, it is, it is, this world cannot supply. So, let's, let's redefine prosperity. Prosperity is when everybody, when you're at a place where you say, I've got enough. And that's the word contentment. So when you realize what Christ has done for you, you realize this awesome truth, a contentment takes hold of you that cannot be explained. And like I said in my, on, on a, a blog that I wrote there, I said, don't even try to copy this. Don't try to copy contentment. It's a fruit of a revelation. You can't, now I, now I must be content, Lord. You can't be content. Contentment happens to you. When you realize who you are in Jesus Christ. When you, when you realize who you are in Christ, then nothing can be added to you and nothing that's taken away from you can take anything away from you. Nothing that anybody gives you can add anything to you. For we are fulfilled. 
I remember when I, when I drove my old BMW motorbike. I enjoyed that motorbike. When I got another one, I enjoyed that one just as the BMW. When I got a new one, I enjoyed that the same. They all brought the same joy. The problem that I have in, in my life, I don't say you must be like that, is that when I, fi- when I buy a car, I drive it until it's finished. I, I can't sit and buy one every year and every two years. Now, it's maybe it's, if, if, if you've got some business mind and do it that way, that's it. But to me, nanny don't ride on, bro. The need of the car is to provide transport. You know, the moment you start to get into grace, you can see stuff for what it truly is. The greatest thing that that I've seen when it comes to to, to churches and sound systems is to teach the people that the sound system is for the purpose of the people to hear what you say. (laughs) And not to show how rich you are. I've seen guys put sound in a building that you can do 300,000 people crowd with. They put in a building that can seat 1,000 people. I don't understand. You can't see stuff for what it truly is. But once you you realize that there's nothing that can be added to me. If I need money or I need stuff, there's wonderful scriptures in the Bible that can... uh, fulfills that and meets that need. And there's a scripture in Matthew 6 that says, listen, first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, like what we're sharing now. You will know who you are in Christ and you've got a Father in heaven that knows you've got needs and He's your Father. He supplies. Like I said, when I was on the, uh, on the plane from uh, Moncton down to Orlando and I realized I've already missed the next flight. What came to my mind was not well, you're what? No. I'm honest. What came to my mind was, I've got a father. I've got a father that can work in the hearts of people. If you've got a, a father like that, you don't need money, my friend. They booked me a flight. I, I paid $150. They booked me a flight by New York to London. And two flights which I could choose from, made out in my name, down to South Africa, one with Virgin Atlantic and one with SAA. So, on the one flight there was an open seat, which somebody pays for. But I wasn't there. Because they booked me two flights, I could choose. Because I've got a father. Amen. So what, what, what blesses me is not, Lord, did I have seed in the ground? Did I tithe faithfully? The, the, the foundation, when trouble hits, is the person of God. Where we can rest our minds in a God of integrity that says, I know the world seek after these things, but you've got a Father that doesn't say, oh well, you don't need a car, you don't need clothes. A Father that knows you've got need of these things and who's Passion is to provide those things. But the time has come when we take our mind off what we must do to twist the arm of God to love us enough to give something to us. He's loved us enough by giving the perfect sacrifice so that whatsoever our heart desire, we eat when we believe in Christ. And we live in that. 
Amen. 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 You know, my greatest desire is not to have a lot of stuff. My greatest desire is to be at a place where I don't desire anything. Let me say it again. Our greatest desire is not to... My greatest desire is not to have more stuff. The greatest desire is to be at a place where I say, I don't desire anything. And there's a beautiful scripture in the Bible that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For He leads me beside the still waters. What's so beautiful, there's one pastor preached about the still waters. He says that still waters um, is a place where the water is still. Now this is just types and shadows. He says, but where, where the sheep can drink and can see his own reflection in the water. He, he brings us to still waters <laughs> where we can look into the Word of God and we look at Jesus, we see ourselves. We see how He fulfilled the law for us. Amen. That's the still water where you can behold your perfection in the work of Christ. We don't see Jesus as an example of what you must do, but that He was an example of you. And where He did it for you, on behalf of you, so that whosoever believes might partake in that life. So I want to challenge you, man. If you're still stuck with do's and don'ts and those type of things, believe the gospel. Because in your heart is already faith rising up as I preach this. Give over, man. This is the good news. It gives us life. You know, the more... Let me tell you something. I know, I, I know I'm a, a preacher. And my work is to study the Bible. And to read the Bible and to preach the gospel. So people might say, Bertie, but... You read the Bible more than others because you've got more time and more this and more that and that's your job. Do you know there are many people that's got jobs that don't do their work? Because they don't like their work. And if you're a pastor and there's nobody checking on you and you can do whatever you like and you don't like your job, do you think you're going to do it? I want to tell you, as I discover this, and as I read this, I can't stop to read the book. I can't stop. It, it's, it's like Francis the Toy says, man, I can't wait for my next thought. Because it's beautiful. Because it gets captivated with this message. When you start to think of people, you start to think of the grace of God. When you look at mankind, you look at what God has done for man. When I think of people, I think of sharing this. I tell you, I couldn't wait to get here tonight to share this. Because this is beautiful. Amen. Let's find a place where we can end. Let's go to James. <laughs> James. I thank God that we're not part of a dead religion. But that we're part of God living in human flesh. Hallelujah. Imagine that we now... It's like when it comes to faith. You know? So many times we think, you know, faith is this thing that we must work to get God to do something for us. 
That's not what faith is. If that's your concept of faith, you're wrong. That's not what faith is. Let me put faith in a different perspective. Can you imagine any relationship without believing in the other person? It's impossible. I cannot... Our whole relationship, the whole relationship that I have with her is based on one thing. And that is what I believe concerning her and what she believes concerning me. And her belief concerning me releases the power that's in me in her life. And vice versa. In the same way with the gospel. Belief is not, well, if you don't believe, then I'm going to judge you. That's not how God says that. Without believing, you will find no manifestation in the same way as you will find no manifestation in a relationship without believing. Believing releases the, the power that's in the other person because believing is open your, opening your heart to the reality of that person. Amen. So, so many times when it comes to faith, we're scared. No, no. This word possesses faith. This word produces faith. Faith is even a gift. So go and read. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering and all those things. And it also says faith. So faith is not something I must produce. Faith is something that is produced by hearing this word. But when you hear that persuasion coming to your heart, man, run with it. So, my God, thank you for what you've done. And then what we do is, we guard our hearts above all things that must be guarded. Because let me tell you something, and I don't want to put fear in you, but listen to this. The joy you feel right now can be gone tomorrow if you start to embrace another word. If you start to embrace another word tomorrow, you'll find condemnation, judgment, all those type of things coming back to your life. Find you back under the law. It's like Paul says, he had his revival in Romans 7 verse 9. He says, sin revived and I died when I got under the law. (laughs) It's a revival. So we don't want to have revival in that way. When we come to Christ, we have been revived. And please people seeking to pull down a revival from heaven. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, And I don't know if it makes sense to you. Because it is as if God is in heaven withholding. And now he says, if you get enough people to pray together, enough people to do things right, then I will... And then what he does is, he says, I go over Ireland and I... And over South Africa. And I, but I'm keeping this. From Moy? From Moy? Come now? It doesn't make sense to me, man. We are grown ups. You know, and we, 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 we serve God from a place where we can rest our mind in His integrity and His love. And the true revival the Bible talks about is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that has revived man from death unto life. For man was alive long ago, died in Adam. Jesus Christ came and revived man out of that death into life. That so whosoever believes can have access into this life. And once you've believed, you are revived. Amen. But the thing is, we, we, we see revival as signs, wonders and miracles. 
Now they'd rather say, God, I would like to see more signs, wonders and miracles. And that's it. Because if we say, God must still pour out something, we are also believing that He willfully keeps it back, and we also believe that He is a, 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 a law-based God that's got a set of rules which we don't actually know what we must do. Because it's just some hidden secret, and some guy just hit it sometime, we don't even know what he did, but he got the revival, then we go and study that thing, from morning until evening to see what he did right, to get God to pour out the revival, then we go back with that fire in, our bu- in buckets now to our countries and we try to pour out that fire there by working that principle. Instead of preaching just the gospel, which is the revival. I'll tell you something, the only, the, the only thing that can vive me more is if I get an immortal body. Because inside, it's alive. (laughs) Amen. And inside you, it is alive. Christ lives in you, man. Hallelujah. If I can have a choice, we don't have to to choose. But if there's a choice, that I can say, let's have a million people stand up out of wheelchairs. Or I can have one guy believe this grace. I choose the one. I choose the one. Because those million people getting out of wheelchairs is prob- I tell you they problem. Because two weeks from now one of them is not walking and the newspaper's got a hold of him. It brings problems. But rather the preaching of the gospel where people can believe it where God confirms His word with signs, wonders and miracles which we believe in. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's end off with, with uh, um, James 2. James 2. Man. Hallelujah. You know, we've, we've always had this mindset that we lack, we need, therefore we've got to do four or five things for God to do something for us. No. Jesus is the tithe. He's done everything for us. The way we prosper is by the person of God. I like the scripture in, in, in Philippians 4 verse 19 lines up exactly with what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 6 where Paul said, But my God will meet all your needs according to His riches in His glory by your tithing. No, no. By Christ Jesus. Amen. That's how He meets all our needs. So I want to tell you, if you've got a financial need, you can, you can say, well, I've got no condemnation. I don't owe anything concerning the tithe. I owe God nothing. But you know what I, I can't understand is, the Bible says that not even God can bring in an accusation against His elect people. But then we find people bringing in accusations against the church, saying, you owe God because you haven't paid 10%. It's wrong, man. It kills people. It is that type of teaching is costing that person that sits under that word the fruit that God died for in Christ, which is peace. It's just gone. It robs him of all his. It robs him of his love relationship that he has with with God, because all of a sudden here God places a higher value on money than on him. And now you say, believe Him. 
But first sort out your... I tell you, whenever you listen to the gospel, whenever you hear to somebody preaching, don't let them accuse you. Don't sit under message of accusation and condemnation. We are there to hear what Christ has done for us. We are there to partake of His blood, to partake of His body, so that we can say, we are set free. So if you are in any financial difficulty, you can come, or even in prosperity, I don't care, you come to God with this one thing, you say, my God, I qualify with the qualification of Christ. And I partake of the very life of Jesus. And therefore, you've been rich then you became poor so that I through your poverty might be made rich. And you are my Father. Christ is my provision. So I declare my future blessed. All my needs met. Amen. 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 I like this one. You know, at this pastor's conference, this guy came and he, he's, he plays, um, he does the worship. And while playing the guitar, I wish I could do it like him now. He'll all cry. He says he likes flying airplanes. You get different types of airplanes. You get these small propeller jobs. And um, he's only got enough money to hire those. And then he goes and flies with that a bit around a bit. He says, but weather influences that airplane. If there's a storm, that storm can just rip the wings off that thing. So when there's weather, you go nowhere. You just stay home. And then you get another type of airplane. It's called the turboprop. It's got a jet engine connected to a propeller and can go about... 25,000 feet maximum and you can go around storms a little bit but there's too much weather you also stay home. And then the books they refer to these turbine jet engine aeroplanes the Boeings and and all those big, big aeroplanes they refer to them as the above weather aeroplanes. (laughs) He says and he was with his wife they went on honeymoon to Mauritius and um, they came back and there was this massive storm and him being a pilot he saw that storm and he got scared and he saw lightning and everything you know and the pilot just said ladies and gentlemen there's a storm ahead of us but I would just like to tell you we are still landing on time on schedule because we're not flying we are flying with the speed of the aeroplane. And we are in Christ, in the above weather aeroplane. And we will arrive on time as planned by God. Don't matter what the storm. All you do in the storm is, you watch your little television and enjoy the movie. (laughs) That's all you do. Because we are above weather. The law can thunder. Accusation can thunder. Circumstances can say, you know, this country is in a mess. We will never survive. I sit with something that I can never be manipulated again. And that's the word contentment. Nothing you give me can add to me. and Nothing you take away from me can take anything away from me. It cannot be faked by, by a human being. It's a simple fruit of the gospel. As we look into this. If you don't feel it, don't feel condemned. Just say, thank you Father for showing your unconditional love. More and more that I can experience this. Amen.